Nigeria where there is righteousness. In Nigeria where there is peace. In Nigeria where the joy, where joy in right, joy in the Holy Ghost reigns. In the name of Jesus. Father, bring forth that new Nigeria. Bring forth that new Nigeria. Where there is righteousness. Where there is peace. Where there is joy in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Father, bring an end to the scourge of coronavirus. In the name of Jesus. Let it not come near us. Bring an end to it, O God. All over the world. In the name of Jesus. Bring an end, O God, to this scourge of coronavirus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Bring an end to it, O God. Bring an end to it, O God. Let it not come near our dwelling. Let it not come near our loved ones. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. And so shall it be. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Come and take your place, O Lord. Come and take your place, O Lord, in my life. bless you we worship you we acknowledge you as God and we declare there is no other God besides you from everlasting to everlasting you are God you are God all by yourself you reign in majesty you rule and reign in the affairs of men we thank you Lord for being God in our lives God in this church. Father, we have sung. Let indeed the atmosphere shift for every one of us in the name of Jesus. Let chains be broken. Let skills over our eyes, O God, come off. Father, that our lives will praise you. We thank you, Father. We give you praise. Accept our thanks. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus.
a clap offering for the choir. Let's give Jesus a clap offering for them, for what God is doing. Hallelujah. God will continue to strengthen you, increase his anointing upon you. That which makes you stronger, God will bring for you. That which weakens you, God will take away from you. God will take you to the ends of the world in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Were you not blessed? Wonderful. Do you people have a purse? Do you have a purse where you put money? You do? Okay, I'm contributing 10,000 naira to your purse. Hmm? I was blessed. I was blessed. Hallelujah. Awesome. That's the word. Amen. Okay, today we want to continue from where we left off two Sundays ago or thereabouts on Vision 2020. Amen? And I want to start by saying to us as a church that we are better together. We are better together. We are better when we do things together. Why? Because we are all connected in one way or the other. And that is what the New Testament church is all about. I pray that God will bless his word this morning. His word will be engrafted in our hearts. Every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of the word of God is cast down now. And the word of God will be enthroned upon our hearts in the name of Jesus. That is what a New Testament church is, togetherness. And I want to encourage you that this year, join a group in the church and be part of the church family. This is a new year, and also very importantly, a new decade. As they say, the morning determines the day. I have come to realize that most of us think of only now. We don't think in terms of fives and tens. Five years from now, ten years from now. Five years from now, as I was putting together this, I realized that my last daughter would be 27. I said, let's say five years, ten years from now, sorry. And if she's the last, that means the others will be much older. So in the next 10 years, I have weddings to prepare for. It's a bit scary. <laughs> but it's good news. Have you stopped to imagine five years from now, 10 years from now, where would you be? What would you be doing? Because every day we are building history. Every day. And the question this one is, what history are you building? What legacy do you want to leave? How do you want people to tell your own story? It's very important. When you step out, what should people say about you? You see, in life, you either live proactively or you live reactively. 
And as I go now, I'll explain that. There is always so much vying for our attention on a daily basis that oftentimes we do not stop to find out what God is saying to us. The fact of the matter is that you will either live your life by design or you will live it by default. Did you hear me? Am I speaking too much English today? Every one of us present here, we are all where we are today, either because we planned on it or we just found ourselves there. You will live your life either by design or by default. You do not accidentally become more spiritual. It doesn't work that way. You do not accidentally have a stronger family. You do it by design. You make a determination, for instance, that in 2020, in my own family, we are going to be closer and we are going to be stronger. Your, your marriage doesn't accidentally get good. You have to give it attention for it to be what you want it to be. Am I making sense, church? The other thing I want you to know is making sure that your vision aligns with God's vision. Because sometimes the wrong vision can be worse than no vision at all. I hope you guys are listening to me this morning. The wrong vision can be worse than having no vision. I, I think it was Miles Monroe that said that the only thing worse than blindness is having sight with no vision. But me, I want to say this morning, as true as that statement is, I believe that a wrong vision also can be worse than no vision. Especially when you think you're absolutely right and you are completely wrong. Saul, who is also referred to as Paul, is a good example. Now, Saul and Paul are the same. It's not that he changed his name from Saul to Paul. Saul is his name in Hebrew. Paul is his name in Greek. So those two names are used interchangeably because he existed in his time in two cultures, the Greek culture and the Hebrew culture. Okay? So when you hear me use Saul and Paul, I'm talking of the same person. Are we together? And I want to use him as, as an example. This man called Saul, he was wrong. And we're not in doubt about that. He had a vision for his life, and he was convinced 
that he was right. Scripture says that there is a way that seemeth right to a person or to a man. But at the end of it, it is just a dead end. Yes, it's just a dead end, leading you nowhere. It leads to destruction. It doesn't get you to where you want to go. So you can be fully convinced, but that does not mean you are right. You can be fully convinced about an issue. That does not make it right. There are some people who are here who are convinced, for instance, that if they are not married, they are not complete. You see, such a conviction can put you on a destructive path because it invariably is going to make you settle for what God has not planned for you. Church, am I making sense? I'm not saying it's not good to be married. I'm not saying it's not desirable to be married. But marriage does not make your life complete. Am I making sense? Damn alone now. There are some people here who are convinced that if they get on a particular career path, or a particular career track, everything is going to be okay. That is not true. Far from the truth. I have met dozens of people who had very high-paying jobs who resigned from those jobs to do something where they earn a lot less, but they were finding fulfillment in life. Have you not seen such people? The important thing is not just that I have a vision for my life, but is it God's vision for my life? Saul was convinced that Christians, the followers of Christ, were wrong and that he had a self-righteous indignation, a self-righteous contempt or hatred for them. What was he doing? He was killing Christians. He was imprisoning them because he was persuaded that he was right and he was doing what was absolutely necessary until God or until he had a God encounter and God knocked him down and made him blind. You see, for Saul, the key to his better vision was that he lost his vision. The key to his better vision was that he lost his sight. Sometimes the, the, the greatest thing God can do to us is to let us be knocked down. And then what does he do? He wipes away every vision of what we think that life is. That's exactly what happened to Saul. And this is why sometimes I shared with them in the morning when you encounter closed doors in life. It is not because God hates you. It is simply because God may be saying to you, I love you too much. Too much to allow you to keep on the wrong road. Not every closed door is of the devil. Sometimes it is of God. 
In fact, like I told them in the morning, I am tempted to believe for the child of God that every closed door is a blessing. Saul, I believe, had an I problem. Not I. I. Me. He had a me problem. An I problem. I. I am right. I know what I am supposed to do. I want this for my life. I just know what I know. I am not made for this. I don't like people who do this. They never say, God, what do you want? It is always, I need this. I want this. I won't be happy until I do this. You've got an eye problem, man. Not I. I. You've got an eye problem. It's all about you. What you need is someone to help you with your vision. This man, Paul, was so convinced he was right. He even laid, he laid out his resume in Philippians chapter 3 from verse 4. He said, I have reasons for confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. You know, it sounds like the people who say, do you know who I am? <laughs> you probably have heard about the story of Muhammad Ali. He got on a flight, first class. And the flight attendant said to him, please fasten your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali looked at the flight attendant and said to her, supermen need no seatbelts. And the flight attendant looked at him and replied, supermen don't need an airplane. <laughs> fly yourself. You don't want supermen in cartoon. They fly now. <laughs> so if you know you're a superman, don't get into this plane. But if you want to be here, buckle your belt, my friend. And that's this man right here we are looking at. Paul or Saul. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am of the tribe of Benjamin. And Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, he meant the Christians. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. He saw himself as righteous. I mean, this guy certainly had an eye problem. He did. Everything was about me. Me. My degree. My pedigree. My righteousness. What I have accomplished in life. Have you met such people? 
Some of them are seated with us here. You see, the beautiful thing about God is that God is called the great physician. And you know what? He specializes in eye surgery. Not eye. Eye surgery. The first thing God did was to take away his vision. His vision of what? I. I. God has a way of removing I and helping us to realize that life is not just about me. Church, are you following me? And here's a question I want you to ponder this morning. If you were to keep all of your New Year resolution, will the world around you be any better? Everything you wrote down this year, or perhaps from the last time I preached about vision, this I want to do, this I want to do. Will your neighbor be better? Will your brother or sister be better? Will fountain of living waters be better? Or is just about you? Are your vision all about improving your life and your life alone? Without thinking about God's plan, without thinking about God's kingdom, without thinking about God's people, without thinking about your brother or your sister or your neighbor. You know, like Saul, we know where we are going. We have a plan. We have a strategy. But you have not stopped to ask, God, does this align with what you want for my life? I need you to understand something. I need you to understand that movement does not always equal progress. Can I say that again? Movement does not always equal progress. You may be making a lot of movement, but if you're on the wrong road, it does you no good. You are on a journey to nowhere. So just because you are making a lot of movement does not mean you are making progress. You see, sometimes people who are actually still and are waiting on God get farther in life than those of us who are so busy and so active. So... I've got to make sure I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I may have a vision, but is the vision the right one? So today, church, brethren, I'm challenging you. As we have roughly 20 days to go on this fast, to seek God's vision for your life, to seek God's vision for your key relationships, to seek God's vision for this church. To seek God's vision for us all. 
Fasting is a great way to find God's vision. Hello? What was the last thing I said? I'm using start to look at somebody I saw sleeping. You know whether they repeat that. But the person got it. He was in the spirit, but was getting it. The person repeated it. Fasting is a great way to find God's vision. While fasting may not be exciting, huh? what should be exciting to us is the end result of our fast. I, I have never seen anywhere where a fast is being called. I'm walking on the veranda. Somebody say, hey, fasting is coming. High five, pastor. I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it. So I know fasting is not exciting. While I may want the fast to go fast, but beyond it going fast, what excites me about the fast is the end result that is coming from the fast. And it should be the same for you. Are we together? Jesus himself said, there are certain things that only come about by prayer and by fasting. The two of them combined. There are certain things, certain things that will only happen by prayer and by fasting. And brethren, one of them is catching a vision for your life. I know it's a 50-day fast. It's a long fast. And uh, the, the challenge with long fast is that you are likely to lose your intensity somewhere along the line. So my suggestion to you, brethren, my challenge to every able-bodied person seated here today, my challenge to you is to go on at least a three-day fast with no food. Just water. I see your faces have dropped. That's my challenge for you. That's my suggestion to you. My concern, my concern is this, that most of us have not experienced that sense of victory that comes from conquering the flesh. Let me be honest with you. You cannot experience it on a morning to six fast. You see, after three days, what happens is that you put your flesh in its place and you let the spirit to be in control. When you go on a three-day fast, after the three days, you are no longer dominated by that craving for food. And I would tell you that if you can do three, you can do seven. <laughs> you know why? Because the toughest days are the first three days. As a matter of fact, I would tell you that the worst day, when you decide to go on a three-day fast, the worst day is day two. Day two. Your body is saying, hey! Hey, what is going on here? Hey, where is the sugar? Where is the carbohydrate? Hey, have you forgotten to eat? Abiyoti Yahweh. 
That's what your body is telling you. <laughs> but when your body begins to tell you that, it's good news. It's very good news. You know why? It's your spirit that is letting you know that it is working because you know what is going on? Your body is detoxifying itself. That's what's happening. So once you go past that three, two days into the third day, the craving for food begins to diminish. Hmm. By the third day, you begin to realize that you feel all right. You don't have much of the cravings anymore. And that's why I say if you can do three, you can do more. You, you see, it's just that as, as, as a pastor, or maybe as your pastor, I don't know which way to put it, I, I just would like many of us, many of you, to experience at least once in your adult life and be able to say, I did a three-day full complete fast. You can have water. You can have juice. But when you take juice, take it only just to gain strength. Don't indulge yourself. Pap is not juice. Akamu is not juice. Custard is not juice. Soup is not juice. Okay? Water or juice. But if you can do water, all the better. But if you can't, juice. Just to give you strength because sometimes you find that you have no strength. Take it, but don't indulge yourself. Even the water, don't overtake it. Though they say it's good because it helps the process of um, detoxification. Okay? Praise the Lord. What am I trying to say? Trying to get your vision is important enough for you to do this. Church, are you hearing me? To get the vision for your life is important enough for you to go on a three days without food. You don't want to be running helter-skelter for the rest of your life. Pillar to post. People deciding your life for you. You don't want to do that. When you go on a three days fast, you know what you are doing? You are taking care of your eye. Your tendency for me and me and me. Notice what happened to Saul in Acts chapter 9, verse 8. Acts chapter 9, verse 8. After God knocked him to the ground. Listen to what happened in verse 8. Acts 9, verse 8. Saul rose from the ground. And although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And listen to this verse 9. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Saul did a three-day fast. He neither ate nor drank. He had followed his own vision. And then he now had a drastic moment where everything changed. Where God knocked him down. He had a drastic moment where he missed a closed door. Because he was on his way to do what he felt was the proper thing. He was on his way to continue his persecution of the church. And God knocked him down. He met a closed door. 
And what that meant was that he no longer could do what he wanted to do. Because what he wanted to do was no longer working. At this point, he knew he needed change. And the best he could do was to fast and believe God to walk through his blindness to give him back a vision. You all have read that story, Abby. That's why I'm not going through it. Go and read it. Acts chapter 9. Where did I stop? What did I say last? He needed God to give him a new vision. Yes, 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 yes. He needed God to give him a vision. And that's what I'm challenging us to. That's what I'm challenging you to do. To stop and say, God, what is your plan for the rest of my life? What is your plan for the rest of my life? I heard the story and I saw the picture of an 82-year-old man who survived a stroke. And miraculously, after he survived the stroke, he realized that God had gifted him life, extra life to live, which is why he survived it. So he went to his pastor. All this while he had been in the church and told the pastor that he wanted to be baptized by immersion, that he had not been baptized. All the while they had been announcing it in church, but he felt he didn't need it. So he went to the pastor and said that he needed and he wanted to be baptized. So the pastor arranged for a baptism for him. On the day of the baptism, as they baptized him, and as soon as he got out of the water, he just opened his mouth and said, God, what do you want me to do for the rest of my life? To the hearing of the people who baptized him. Lord, what do you want me to do for the rest of my life? Give me a vision for the rest of my life. Why do I bring this up? It doesn't matter what age you are. There's a vision for you. God has got work for you to do. All I want you to do is to ask in this season of my life God, what do you want me to do? You see, when I fast fasting aligns my vision the vision for my life with God's vision for my life. Fasting gives me clarity Please get this church. Fasting does not get God's attention. Fasting gets your attention. It's erroneous to think that fasting is to get God's attention. God is not God is not moved by your fast. You fast for you to get your own attention. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, we are, we are tripartite beings. Spirit, soul, and body. The body is the lowest form of living. But yet, we spend most of our lives nourishing the body. 
when we fast for just a season, you know what we do? We tell our bodies, sit down. Joko, Jokombe. Ibo will say, Nolwani. Which other culture have I lived in? Bini? Sikodo? No, is that Sikodo? <laughs> eh? Totayewa, sit down. That's what we say. When you go on a fast, that's what you are telling your body. Sit down. Let the spirit take control. That's what we do when we fast. It's important we understand these things so that you are not misguided or misdirected. What you are doing is that you are suppressing your body, your flesh, for your spirit to come up. The real you is your spirit. That is the eternal part of you. You see, when you fast, you allow the real you to be on the driving seat of the car. Most of our lives, we let the flesh be on the driving seat when the spirit should be the one leading. leading. For as many as are led by the spirit are the sons. The flesh will always tell you what I want. The spirit will lead you to what God wants. And you know that God is always speaking. God is always transmitting. Do you know that? (laughs) The only problem is that we are just not tuned in. You know in those days they used to use uh, uh, transistor radio. That's the problem with having a very young church of young people. Most of us are used to digital radio. The thing will just go to 97.3. You just go to... In those days, you have the transistor radio and you use hand manually. No, you be like... Then you hear a voice. Ah, uh, Barcelona played Chelsea and Lionel Messi scored a hat trick. You know that it's Brilla FM. Mm, that's not what I want. Then you get to under one. So good, so good, loving somebody. Say, ah, that's classic FM. That's not the one I want. Then here, Jesus is the wisdom and is the, uh, is the wisdom and is the power of God. You say, oh yes, I've reached Inspiration FM. That's the one I want. Well, you know what? You know that they weren't waiting for you to tune in. They have been talking all the while. It's just that you tuned in and caught them talking. The same way with God, he has been speaking. It's just that we are not tuned in. Fasting helps you to tune in to what God is saying. You know, there's always noise all around us. The noise of needs. The noise of I, what I want. The noise of the flesh. The noise of uh, expectations. They are always around us. But when you fast, you know what happens? You force the volume of all those noises. Or is there a word like noises? You force the volume of all those noises to go down for the voice of the Spirit to get louder. Church, am I making sense? Fasting helps us see more clearly and hear more clearly. When we deprive our flesh and feed our spirits, 
our eyes of understanding are opened. Paul, Saul, prayed later in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 8. He said, I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. What was Paul saying here? I want your spiritual eyes to be opened. Because when they are open, you will begin to see differently. And that's what we need. Moses fasted, and God gave him the law on Mount Sinai. Jesus fasted, and then his public ministry began. Are you seeing? While Paul is fasting and he's being led to Damascus because he can't see. But meanwhile, in Damascus, what is happening? God is walking. God is walking in Damascus with a guy named who? Ananias. Now, see the irony in this story. Acts chapter 9 verse 10. Let me read it. Acts chapter 9 verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision. Everybody say vision. vision. The Lord said to him in a vision. And called him Ananias. And he responded to God by saying, yes, Lord. That tells us something. Whenever God calls, always say yes. Don't say no. This is not what I want. Ananias, yes, Lord. Anytime God calls, your answer should be what? Yes. And the God says to him, verse 11, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, his word, praying. Notice this. While Saul is here, fasting and praying, God is over here walking on his answer. Are you seeing it? Brethren, before you can understand and walk in, in what God has prepared for you, trust me, you need to fast. You need to fast. Because when we fast, a lot of other things get shut down. And God gets louder. The volume gets louder of God's voice. Know this. Know this as I begin to round up. Your relationship with God is personal. But it is not individual. Always, always remember that God saved you to become a part of a community of believers. Paul needed Ananias and Ananias needed Paul. You see the scriptures referred to Ananias as a certain disciple, an ordinary disciple, not a bishop, not an archbishop, not the senior pastor, not the general overseer, not an apostle, but a certain disciple. Just a disciple, which is what you are. 
But this same ordinary disciple, what did he do? He brought about healing and clarity to Paul. Often times when God uses you to impact a life, don't be surprised that that life will become more impactful than yours. This same ordinary disciple healed Paul, brought clarity to Paul, brought restoration to Paul, and Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. When he came to Paul, his first words to Paul were words of affirmation. Brother Paul. Or brother Saul, rather. What was he doing? He was affirming the call of God upon, upon Saul. And then he laid his hands on him. We all need each other. And my question to you this morning is, who is your Ananias? Who is the person that God has put in your life to help you find your vision and direction? Because your salvation is personal, but your life with God is not individual. We all need people in our lives. We all need people who know us and people who can say no to us. We need people also who can affirm us in life. People who will speak into our world. Everyone needs someone in their lives who can speak into their lives. Everyone. You see, I may not be able to do it effectively standing from the pulpit. And that is why we always push in the church that everybody should be in a connect group that connects to other believers. New believers class, workers group, school of disciples, men's fellowship, women's fellowship. Groups in church are there for us to connect one with another as believers in a community of believers. Sometimes you need somebody who can look you in the face and say, that thing you just told me is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Yes, sometimes we need that. Need somebody who can tell that this thing, you, this thing is so stupid. And you also need some people in your life sometimes who can affirm you and say, wow, this thing is fantastic. And I affirm what God is doing in your life. We need both. We need both. I personally am grateful for the people who speak into my life. I'm grateful for the mentors that I have. I'm very grateful for that. And I really do. So while you need, or I'm asking you, who is your Ananias? I will also ask you, who is your Paul? Who is your Paul? Someone in your life you need to invest in and believe in. Someone you can take responsibility for. To mentor for that person to become who God created him or her to be. Every one of us can help one another. Church, every married man 
can help an unmarried man. Every older woman can help a younger woman. Every university student can help a secondary school student. Every older widow or widower can help a younger widow or widower to get through the pain of loss. Because life happens. Everyone has something that they can offer. Every woman who has conceived and given birth can help a woman who has just gone conceived for the first time with counsel on how to handle the pregnancy. The experienced professional can counsel the job seeker. That is what Christianity is all about. Christianity is not a solo sport. Nobody should be in church and say, I have nothing to offer. Everybody can offer something. That is why God put you there. The reason you have the experience you have had in your life is to use that experience to lift somebody up. Hey, church, am I talking to somebody? Do you like the truth? That is what church is all about. To teach and be willing to be taught. I pray that in 2020, pride must die. However, be selective. Be selective on who you go to for counsel and help. If you are struggling in your marriage, you don't go to somebody who has been married six times who will tell you, ah, forget it, I know men, they're all the same, they're all useless. Um, That's not the one I want you to. Eh? Oh, 40 years in marriage and you have kept it. Please speak to my life. That person has something to offer. Are you following me? Are you following me? Everyone has something to offer. And that is what the Great Commission is all about. When Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, he wasn't speaking to pastors, though. He was speaking to the body of believers. Disciples are made any which way when you edify and lift up. When you make people to stay and they don't say this Christianity is not working, you are a disciple and you are discipling people. In short, we are saved to save others. That is our theme for the year. Very soon it's going to be put up there in the banner. Saved to save others. Fountain of Living Waters is a church of the saved that goes to save others. Another way of putting is our brother's keeper. This year and beyond, let it no longer be what I want to do or what I don't want to do. As you ask God for a vision, make room for vision regarding your spiritual growth. Think beyond your comfort and I. This year, 
I want to be baptized. Lord, what are you saying? This year, I want to attend Bible college. Lord, what are you saying to me? This year, I want to be one of the sanctuary workers. Lord, what are you saying to me? Include God. Make room for God in your plans. It's not just all about a job in Shell and a holiday in Bahamas. Me, me, me. No. Life is more than that. The greatest joy that comes in life is serving others. Touching lives. You have not lived if you are yet to touch lives. You have not lived. I close. And I close with Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 verse 16. Luke chapter 12 verse 16. Is somebody being blessed? Are you angry with me? Why the way you are looking? You are not angry. If you are not angry, just wave. Good. You are not lying to. Good. Luke chapter 12 verse 16. Luke chapter 12 verse 16. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? If you count the eyes here, they are about six. What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my bands and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. But God said to him, Fool. This night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. God did not reprimand this man for making money. God did not reprimand this man for having a ban. God did not reprimand this man for making plans. But you know what God reprimanded him for? For not making room for the kingdom. All he was about was, I, I, I. He said, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Brethren, God saved you to be in a community with other believers that your life will touch some other lives. How many of you have ever been to a papa pot? I did a lot of work some years back that had to do with the seaport. And when I was doing my master's, I, I, I specialized in law of the sea. When you go to the port, you see big ships coming. Mighty ships. But they get to a point and they stop. They can't go beyond there. They can't get to the harbor. You know what happens? There is something that is called a tugboat. A small boat that goes and hooks to the ship and pulls the ship to the harbor. 
where it can birth. You see, as big as that sheep is, there are some things that that sheep cannot do for itself. It needs a little tugboat to complete the journey for him. In life, you may be the sheep. In life, you may be the tugboat. But whichever one you are, you are fulfilling purpose. Whichever one you are, there's joy in what you are doing. And that is why each one of us was determined for God to tell you what he brought you into this world to do. Because trust me, look through the Bible, everyone that fulfilled purpose touched lives. And may God help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Shall we rise to our feet? Is there anyone here who is saying, Jesus, I need you in my life? Because the truth of the matter is that the only one who can reveal to you why you were created is the master, Jesus. He's the only one. He created you for his own pleasure. You cannot find purpose outside of Christ. You cannot. So to begin with is that you have to accept him into your heart and into your life as Lord and as Savior. If there is anyone here who is saying in his heart what I appear to be saying, or if I'm echoing what is in your heart, I just want you to wave at me as an indication of the fact that you are saying, Jesus, I want you to begin afresh with me. Today, the ninth day of February, I want you to begin with me. Is there anyone? Anyone who's saying, Jesus, come into my life? Come into my heart. Anyone? Anyone? Okay, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to say, Father. 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 Please give me the grace and wisdom not to repeat the mistakes of 2019 in this year 2020 give me the grace and wisdom talk to God Father give me the grace and wisdom not to repeat the mistakes of 2019 in this year 2020 give me this grace oh God give me the grace give me the grace give me the grace oh God not to repeat the mistakes of the past in this new year in this year 2020 give me the grace Give me the grace, Father, in the name of Jesus. Give me the grace, Jehovah. Give me the grace not to repeat my mistakes of the past. Let me begin anew in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father Lord. And so shall it be. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, please let 2020 be a more successful and a more fulfilling year for me and for my household in the mighty name of Jesus Father please let 2020 be a more successful and a more fulfilling year for me and my household in the name of Jesus even for fountain of living waters let it be a more successful year a more fulfilling year pray pray Father please let 2020 be a more successful year be a more fulfilling year in the name of Jesus. Ramakando Korobo Shendekete. Zikete Lebrondekete Lebrogodo. Rakatanda Kandaliando Skoto Lebrondekete. Jegelemo, Jegelemo, Jegelemo. Makande Kendekete Lebrogodo. Thank you, Father Lord. And so shall it be in Jesus' name.
Lord, push me into my destiny in this year 2020. In the name of Jesus, push me anyhow. Push me into my destiny. Push me into the fulfillment of my destiny in this year, oh God. In the name of Jesus, it's not about what I want, but about what you want. Push me, oh God, into the destiny you have for me. Push me, oh God, into my purpose in life. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. You see, Paul lived his life by design and not by default. And that was why Paul was able to say at some point in his life, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. It is because his life was lived by design and not by default. I want you to raise up your voice and say, Father, 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 open my eyes and my ears to your vision for my life before this fast is over so that I can live my life by design in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, out of your mercy, open my eyes, open my ears, Open them to your vision for my life. Lord God, before this fast is over, I want to live my life by design. I don't want to live it by default. Open my eyes and my ears, oh God, clearly to your vision for my life. Oh God of heaven, in the name of Jesus, open it, oh God. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. After... Ananias prayed for Saul. We are told that scales fell off the eyes of Saul. Scales that obstructed his vision. Scales that prevented him from fulfilling destiny. Hands were laid upon him and the scales fell off. I want you to pray and say, Every skill blinding my vision before this fast is over, let them fall off my eyes in the name of Jesus. Every skill in whatever form they come blinding my vision, Father, before this fast is over, Lord God, let them fall off my eyes in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Before this fast is over, I join my faith with my brother. In the name of Jesus. Let them fall off. In Jesus' name we pray. In fact, as we just pray, just dropped into my spirit. I want you to hold somebody. I want you to pray for the next person. And say, Father, before this fast is over, Every scale blinding my brother's eyes. Every scale blinding my sister's eyes. Lord God, let them fall off in the name of Jesus. Let them fall off in the name of Jesus. 
before this fast is over, every scale blinding the eyes of my brother, every scale blinding the eyes of my sister, before this fast is over, Lord God of heaven, make them to fall off, 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 in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let them fall off. Thank you, Father Lord. And so shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen. I want you to lift up your hands and thank God. Thank God for prayers that are answered. Thank him. Thank him. Believe him for a new vision. Thank him. Thank him. Bless him from the depths of your heart. Bless him. Holy name, we worship you. We thank you for the vision.